so much Jeff stick, stick around uh, because uh, we might have a final song or a final couple of questions for you to answer but um, uh, let's just think as we close about music 
and why it is that it connects so deeply uh, with each of us. Uh, have you ever gone on, on YouTube? There's a very interesting video there where uh, the Star Wars Episode 4, do you know the end of Star Wars Episode 4? And they're all walking down uh, this big aisle and uh, everybody's there because they're about to receive these medals and it's this big scene and Chewbacca is there and Luke and, and Leia is offering everybody the, the medals. It's this exultant scene. And uh, everybody's there to celebrate together. But this video on YouTube, what it does is it strips away John Williams's score, right? And it's utterly silent. And it's the weirdest thing you've ever seen. It's just these people walking down. And every now and again, you hear someone go... <coughs> <laughs> people shuffling awkwardly. And, and Luke Skywalker is beaming like a fool. And you strip the music out of it. And it's rubbish. It's total rubbish. And then this video, it puts John Williams' score back in. And it is exultant and you're punching the air and you've got goose pimples all over you. What is music? It's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing how it connects with us so emotionally. And as we finish, I just want to ask the question, why do you think that is? Why do you think we connect on a profound level with music? Well, our, our way of answering that question is by picking up uh, John's Gospel. Uh, you should have a copy of this on your table. Why don't you pick up this little pink book? If you don't know what this is, this is a biography of Jesus, written by one of Jesus' great companions, John. And I just want to draw your attention to one sentence, and it's on page 43 of this, page 43. It's the night before Jesus dies... Jesus is praying before the Father, and he is explaining to you why music gets you right here, okay? Jesus is going to explain that to you. Here we go, page 43, and you see three quarters of the way down the page, there's a little number 24, that means it's verse 24 of chapter 17. Jesus is praying to the Father in front of a whole bunch of people, and he says, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am, and to see my glory the glory you've given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Now, that's quite a thing to say. Jeff's just said, you can't think of Jesus as just a good teacher. You know, C.S. Lewis said that a man who makes these sorts of claims, he's either mad or he's bad or he's God. A man who says that I was there before the universe began, such a man, what, what do you want to do with such a man? You, you either have to section him or you have to arrest him, or you have to worship him. There's, there's no, no other thing you can do with Jesus. Given that he claims to be older than the universe, what are you going to do with this guy, Jesus? He says he was there before the world began, and you might want to ask him, Jesus, what was that like? And he says it was love. Before the foundation of the world, there was a father who was constantly loving him. Is that your picture of before the world began? Quite a, an odd thing to think about, isn't it? Before the world began, if you kept hitting rewind on this world and you went back and back and back and back before people, before planets, before protons, what is there? Jesus says there's love. There is a father loving him, the son, in the joy of the Holy Spirit. In a sense, there is harmony. Before the world began, there is harmony. You know, what, what is harmony? You've got, you've got this triad, don't you? Uh, a major chord. We know what a major chord is, isn't it? Uh, is. It's a, right? Major chord. One, two, three. And yet there's this profound unity together. And the Bible speaks of these three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, united together in perfect love, 
Before there was a world, there was music. Before there there was a world, there was harmony. And out of harmony has been birthed a world which is intended to share in the glory of this God. Notice Jesus uses this word glory. It's the, it's the, the throbbing bass note that just sort of hums along underneath all things in this world. There is music behind and before and beneath this world. And we are intended to participate in this glory, to be, to be part of this great harmony. Uh, but there's a problem. Do you see that the next verse? It says, uh, righteous father, Though the world does not know you, I know you. That's, that's a shocking thing, isn't it? So Jesus says, he and the Father are in harmony by the Holy Spirit, and yet he says that the world is somehow out of harmony. There's discord in the world, and perhaps you've felt it. You've felt the discord that is out there in the world. And it's all very well me talking about love and light and life, and it's all very well me talking about a major chord of great harmony. But you're going to tell me, look, I live in a world that's full of discord. I live in a world that's full of disharmony, right? You feel it and I feel it. But the Bible's got a shocking answer to the question, why is there disharmony in the world? The Bible says the reason there's disharmony in the world is because there's disharmony in me. Uh, I, I... came to a, a fresh realization of this truth just one month ago. One month ago, I was preaching in a church uh, down in Eastbourne. It's not my, my usual church. And uh, this uh, this music group that were playing at uh, this church, um, none of them were of the caliber of, of, of Jeff. Um, quite, quite far from that, to be honest. Um, they were keen, um, probably too keen um, at points. And... Uh, and I found myself as this visiting speaker just sort of send, trying to send telepathically a thought to the guy on PA, just saying, whoever that singer is, turn him down. <laughs> and I meant this in the, in the most original sense of the phrase. I meant, for the love of God, <laughs> shut him up. Right? And I was just thinking this constantly, constantly. And, uh, and it got so bad that in the, in the final hymn, I, w- I was just thinking, shut him up, shut him up. And then something in me made me want to look down. There was some part of my subconscious just awoke. And I got this, this massive urge to look down to my lapel, where I saw my microphone. <laughs> and then to my transmitter with the light still on. And I realized that the cacophonous voice was mine. (laughs) I was so concerned about all the discord that was out there. Shut him up! And it was me all along. So so I I switched off my microphone and instantly the sound in the room improves by about 400%, you know. And I think this, this is what the Bible wants to say about you and I. You know, we look out at a world that's very discordant, right? We look out at a, at a world that is sort of out of harmony. And the Bible says, yeah, before you point the finger at everybody else, like, check your own microphone, right? Figure it out. Uh, there was a great uh, Christian thinker called Francis Schaeffer. Uh, I'm, I'm going to update his illustration. He used an illustration about uh, tape recorders. I'm going to update it and, and, and say it's about apps. He said, uh, imagine that you've got an app on your phone. And let's call it the iJudge, okay? And this app on your phone, uh, whenever you make a judgment about somebody else and you say how the world should be, if, if you ever use the phrase he ought or she should, 
If you're ever driving down the road and you think everyone who drives faster than you is a maniac and everyone who drives slower than you is an idiot, right? As, as you make these judgments of the world, the, the iJudge app just records every single judgment you ever make. Can you imagine it? Just dozens every week, thousands every year, hundreds of thousands in a lifetime. And then Francis Schaeffer said, can you just imagine on the last day, God retrieving all those recordings and just playing all those judgments? You'd be guilty as hell, wouldn't you? You'd be condemned by your own sense of justice. And Francis Schaeffer said, even before you look at the Ten Commandments, by your own standards, you are a cacophonous mess, right? You are discordant. The reason why the world is so messed up is because of you and me. We're out of harmony. And and that's why the world is is full of these these minor key songs. You know, you go through, so the major key, you know, this, and then the minor key, right? These minor keys are so, all of a sudden it's sad, isn't it? And you read through the Bible and there are these minor key songs in the book of Psalms. Do you know the Psalms? This songbook of the church written a thousand years before Jesus came in the flesh. And, and the, the number one song, the number one kind of song in the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Psalms where people talk about the darkness. People call, talk about their disconnection from God. They're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. All these minor key songs. But then what does God do about that? God looks at a world that has fallen into a mess, but he is love. He's a fountain of love. So what does he do? Well, love joins you in the pit, doesn't it? If you're in a pit, what does love do? Love dives down into the pit and says, your pit will be my pit. And so here we go. We've got Jesus, the second member of the triad, and he falls down. And now all of a sudden, he is singing the minor key songs. What is Jesus doing as he walks through the Gospels? He is this man of sorrows. And one of the things Jesus is always doing is he's always taking the psalms onto his lips. He's always singing these psalms of lament. And he takes them all the way to the cross. And even on the cross, he is praying these sad songs, these minor key songs, these psalms of lament and saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What's he doing? He's taking on the discord, right? He's entering into the cacophony. He's entering into our sad songs and and singing them as one of us, taking that punishment that we deserve for having fallen from God, from not wanting Him. And there is Jesus entering into our minor key. And then what does He do on Easter Sunday? On Easter Sunday, He rises. And all of a sudden, the major key again. And what does Jesus do? Here's the, here's the offer. Beautiful verse, isn't it? Jesus says in verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you've given me because you love me before the creation of the world. What does Jesus want? He wants to bring you in on the harmony, doesn't he? He wants to bring you in on this family of love. And if you say yes to Jesus, you you say no to the discordant notes, you say sorry for that, you say yes to Jesus and you're brought into this love song. And suddenly you get Jesus as father, as your father. You get his spirit as your spirit. You get his future as your future. And now you can sing. Sing with Jesus. Sing with the living God. Why do we love music? It it really does plumb the depths of our human experience, doesn't it? Music really does that. But the reason it does that is because there is a God of harmony. You and I, we're full of discordant notes. We're full of disharmony. But... 
Jesus enters into that to offer us again fellowship with the living God, to come in on this love story, to come on, come in on this love song. Can you say what Jeff just played for us? What a friend we have in Jesus. If you can say that, then you'll sing forever.